was it. He hadn't seen the image of the drowning man. It was always the first petroglyph that came into view, looming over the road not more than thirty feet up the slope, the guardian of the canyon, welcoming visitors into the sacred place of the spirits. The image gave permission to proceed, and one shouldn't proceed without permission. Yet somehow he'd driven right past. He hadn't paid the proper respect. That explained why he felt so uneasy. He pressed hard on the accelerator. The tires skidded in the dirt as he drove around the curve, keeping his eyes glued on the road for the turnout ahead. He had to go back and pay his respects, ask the spirit to grant him a safe passage through the canyon. He pulled into the turnout, an apron of land that jutted over the steep drop-off into the creek below. Moving the gear, reverse, forward, he carved out a half-turn until he was back on the road heading downhill. Calmness began to settle over him. The other spirits had shown themselves. That was true, wasn't it? He hadn't just imagined them or seen the figures that his eyes had seen so many times he'd assumed his eyes were seeing them again. Yet he had failed to see the drowning man. He came around another curve near the mouth of the canyon, crossed the lane, and bumped to a stop. This was the place. The pickup tilted sideways toward the barrow ditch. He got out and started up the slope. No sign of the image. He bent forward and kept going. There was a steep pitch to the slope, and he had to dig his heels of his boots into the soft earth, still moist from the snow that had covered the ground all winter. He could see the road unwinding below. The petroglyph had to be here somewhere. He kept climbing, struggling to fight off the panic that grabbed at him, like the branches plucking at his arms and pant legs. Why would the spirit refuse to show its image? It was then that he saw the rock where the image should have been. His breath knotted in his throat. The face was a raw wound with pink and white stripes running like blood and water through stone. The edges were jagged, broken by deep thrusts of some kind of weapon. Beyond the rock was nothing but piles of other rocks wedged among the scraggly brush and pines. There was a hollow sound in the breeze sweeping through the canyon. The drowning man was gone. Chapter 1 He wasn't sure how long the gray sedan had been behind him. Somewhere along Seventeen Mile Road, Father John Aloysius O'Malley had glanced in the rearview mirror and seen the vehicle hugging his bumper. He'd turned right onto Blue Sky Highway, the sedan following, then pressed down on the accelerator and lurched ahead. The sedan had dropped back before sprinting for his bumper again. The noise of tires humming against asphalt drifted past Father John's half-opened windows. He caught a glimpse of the driver in the mirror. Dark eyes that flashed in a square brown face and black hair cut long, tangled around the collar of a reddish shirt. Father John held the old red Toyota pickup steady at about 40 miles an hour and kept driving north. Turandot blared from the tape player on a seat beside him, mingling with the rush of wind through the cab. He'd just visited Hiram Whitebird, who had gotten out of the hospital yesterday and he'd promised Mickey and Irene Wolf he'd stop by to see their new son this afternoon. He glanced at his watch, almost five o'clock. He didn't have time for the gray sedan. 
They were the only vehicles on the road. Outside his window was a stretch of scrub brush that bumped into the barren foothills of the Wind River Range, and on the other side nothing but the flat, open plains of the Wind River Reservation melting into the blue sky. It was the third Monday in May, the moon when the ponies shed their shaggy hair, in the way that the Arapahoes kept track of the passing time, and the wild grass that checkered the plains looked green against the brown earth. Houses were scattered about, set back from the road with rounded white propane tanks, pickups and old cars dropped onto the bare dirt, an assortment of clothes and towels flapped on the lines strung between poles. The roofs of Athete flashed ahead, and Father John started to ease up on the brake pedal. The sedan stayed with him, the driver staring into the specks of sun that danced on his windshield. He was an Indian, Father John was sure, but no one he recognized.